I want to welcome you. Some of you for the first time that you've ever been here, welcome once again. Some of you kind of summer's uh, over and you're kind of getting back in the groove, so we're grateful to have you here as well. And uh, we have been in a series, and we've actually been in uh, a 21-day fast. And so that's something that the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord led us to do several years ago, two to three years ago, and we've seen the blessing of God. We've seen... Um, God moving our lives in ways that we just didn't know really it was possible, and we found that this to be a spiritual discipline uh, that is still for today. You don't see a whole lot of people participating in this sometimes and a whole lot of people doing it, but what I have found uh, in my research and my study is that where you do see a body of believers coming together and implementing this discipline in their life, you do see a released anointing and authority and a power that God gives, and so I know that uh, some of you are very excited about you, how God has done that in your life. If this is your first Sunday and you're a guest and you say, hey, you know, uh, maybe um, uh, God moves your heart. Let's say God moves your heart today. It's okay. You can finish with us. We're on day 15 and uh, interceding for our community and for those yet to come uh, that may not know the Lord, that may be de-churched. And so you can join us in that to finish the fast out. You can come in on that. And then next time we do it around the first of the year as we concentrate and focus on God, you can be a part of the full 21 days as the Spirit leads you. And I promise you, God will move in your heart and life as you devote that time to Him. So 21 days to fast and pray. We've been talking about fasting and praying for spiritual breakthrough that when we fast and pray, literally God will clear a path in our life for whatever it is that we're fasting and praying about. And today's takeaway, we always try to give a takeaway knowing that you can't remember everything, but I do encourage you. How many note takers do we have in the house? I'm just curious how many note takers we have. This is awesome. Keep them up. And I'm not talking about at school. I'm talking about in church, all right? This, this, this is very encouraging. Now keep them up for a second because I want all the people like me in high school that hated taking notes, that hate journaling, look real close at these people. This is the one time you're given permission to cheat off somebody, okay, and look at whatever they're writing down or just love them and say, hey, here's my email, and I'm not a great note taker, but would you mind emailing me those notes uh, sometime this week? And Because uh, we retain more what we see than what we hear, but I always try to give a takeaway so that at least we can uh, apply this principle in our heart and our life as God fleshes it out in our lives. So the takeaway today is fasting and praying reveals the seriousness of our heart toward the situation or situations that we're in, okay? Now let me say that again and break that down a little bit for us. Um, we began a 21-day uh, fast uh, at the... Um, beginning of the month of August, and so basically we challenged, uh, the Lord challenged us and challenged through Scripture in Isaiah 58, and he talked about the fast that he desired, and we're going to continue to look at what that looks like and look in Daniel's life today and look in the life of John the Baptist a little bit, um, but those that were here, there was a serious decision that you had to make. And you had to make a decision, number one, are you going to participate in fasting and praying? And one thing that's encouraged me is that every time we do this, I see a rapid-like uh, increase in the amount of people who are fasting and praying and taking this serious, and some taking it even to a whole other level as the Spirit leads them. And so I, that encourages my heart, encourages my spirit. But somewhere you've got to say, okay, there's situations that I'm going through or a situation or there's a, a burden that I have for someone else. There's a lost family member within my immediate family. There's a lost family member that doesn't know the Lord with my, in my extended family that doesn't have a relationship. When I use the word lost, that means they don't have a relationship with Christ and it's about relationship, not religion because religion never got anybody to heaven. And so we want to stress that. There's someone in my family, as we'll talk about today, you might say that just needs healing 
It may be you. It may be you that got the bad report in the mail this past week. It may be a family member of yours. And so we, we, we get serious about it. And so fasting and praying reveals the seriousness of our heart toward the situation or the situations at hand. And sticking with it, okay? And that can be the challenging part, especially if you're new to fasting and praying. But I promise as you do it more and more, God will show you who he is and give you strength. And you'll say, wow, it doesn't bother me to sit down and watch people eat maybe. Uh, and God will give you a strength in this spiritual discipline, I promise, uh, as you stay focused and grow in it. But God will break through in your heart and your life. And so the seriousness of it, of, of finishing strong and staying focused and doing that, you say, well, Pastor, I've already messed up. I just couldn't give up the chocolate ice cream. Uh, you know, and uh, well, this can be confession time. Confess that to the Lord and then finish strong in that. But seriously, look at what is going on around you. What is going on uh, in your heart? What is going on in the hearts of others around you? And where do you really need to get serious and fast and pray? So fasting, let me give you some of these truths uh, to reiterate some of these promises that we see about fasting and truths about fasting. Fasting allows you to starve yourself from the many things or the people in your life that have basically been placed, that you've placed in front of God, okay? Because listen, there's, nobody, we, 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 there's nobody that can be your rock like Jesus Christ. There's nobody that can be that rock. And it's unfair to put that expectation on anybody else. And so fasting allows you to say, you know what, God? I've allowed some things to come in uh, to my life uh, before you. And God, I'm not giving you the priority of my time. And that doesn't always mean the most hours. That just means that you set apart a time to where God knows he's number one in your daily list. And so that's why I suggest starting that day with him in some form or fashion. Uh, and so actually, it's even healthier to, to get up and talk to God before you talk to your spouse or before you talk to your kids or someone else in your house. You know, it's best to kind of get along with God and find some time and spend with him and just be serious about making him a priority. So we said, what, gets, what would you say gets priority maybe in your life? What have you allowed to come into your life that you've kind of put on a pedestal higher in God? Uh, and uh, boy, it's easy to make that mistake. It's easy to put our children on a pedestal higher than our relationship with God and our purpose for living on earth. And so so what is it maybe you've done or who is it maybe you've done? Is it that relationship um, that you're in, that dating relationship, is it someone else? And fasting moves you to be more in tune with the heartbeat of God and also more in tune with the heartbeat of God for others around you and in your life. Now, one thing that God has shown me through this particular time of fasting, and we'll see that as we look at the life of Daniel, and I'm really stoked about next Sunday. God just got a hold of me with the book of Esther, okay? And that may not leave, some of y'all may like, be like me. You know, you may say, the book of Esther, that sounds real fascinating, exciting to show back up for. Uh, but I promise you it will be. Next Sunday, I've just devoted, I felt led of the Holy Spirit as we uh, have concluded this fast, is just to talk about Esther. And what I see in the book of Esther and what I see even in Daniel's life today and what God has shown me through fasting and praying is the sovereignty of God, guys. The sovereignty of God and who he is and that he already knows. Listen, he already knows you uh, don't have a job if you just got laid off. He already knows the bad report that you got in the mail. He's not shaken. He's not rattled. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life. And we have got to learn, okay? And I'm walking through this, okay? So we have got to learn that God is sovereign and that we can rest in him. That we can rest in him. That no matter what comes against us, that God is sovereign. And, and listen, God has, God has to, okay? There's some things God has to do based on his word and authority. He has to honor obedience. Did you know that? He has to honor obedience. 
He has to based on uh, covenant promise and unconditional love. He has to protect his children. He has to protect the remnant that we talked about of Israel. And we'll see that even in the life of Esther, how God's remnant was protected. So the Daniel fast is basically to cause their health to spring forth speedily. That's when we break down Isaiah 58. We look at verse 6 through 8. It's to cause their health to, to break forth, to speed forth speedily. And Isaiah talks about that. And what you see in the Daniel fast is you see many truths to it, but you see of his willingness to be obedient to God and to be moved in his heart to not do what the uh, king wanted done. The king said, we're going to bring all of the guys in, all these young guys, and uh, we're going to give them the finest meat. We're going to give them the T-bone steak, the filet mignon, the juicy filet mignon. Now look around and you'll tell who's been fasting. All right, if they're struggling right now, uh, all right, for a T-bone steak. But he said, we're going to give them the best, the choice of wine. We're going to give them the king's food, man. They're going to eat like kings for 10 days. And Daniel basically came in and he said, no. He said, I feel impressed of God not to eat the king's food or the best, what the king would consider best, or the best choice wines, and I am going to eat veggies. How many veggie lovers in the house? Any veggie lovers in the house? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, So he said, we're going to eat some veggies, and it was all uh, a part of God's plan. So to cause their health to spring forth speedily, and so the Daniel fast is fasting for health and physical healing, and also using our testimony to give God glory in how he works in our life, how he heals us from physical sickness, or whatever the case may be. So when we fast for physical well-being, God literally will touch our bodies, and he will touch us, and he has the power to heal us. And so if you're sick, if you've got cancer, if you've got a bad report, if you've got heart issues that you don't want to have the rest of your life, if you've got joint pains, and I've, I've had to deal with those myself, if you've got joint pains, you trust God, and you fast and pray, and God can heal you from those joint pains. Look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 12 through 20, and we're going to dive in and move through this today. He said, test. Everybody say test. Anybody hate tests like me when you're thinking about tests? I did too. Test anxiety. Well, this is a little bit different type of a test. It says, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, he says, then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with the servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh, not fat in a bad way, all right, healthier in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. There's your veggie lovers. There's your, there's your uh, buffet for veggies. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king uh, inquired of them, he found them, everybody say, ten times. Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all of his kingdom. Now, first of all, let me say that if I had been in the place of Daniel in this, uh, in this fast before I was 18, I probably would have died, okay? Because the only thing before I was 18 that I would eat out of the garden was french fries and watermelon, all right? So I don't know if some of you like, were like that when you were kids and some of you parents trying to get your kids to eat something, uh, you know, some veggies, some good foods that are good for them. But I literally, I was one of those. I remember in the 10th grade, we took a taste test and only me and other 
other one normal person was different from everybody else that was abnormal in the class. Uh, and we had the, we taste the same thing, but if you got a bitter taste, you raise your hand. If you got a sweet taste, you raise your hand. And it's like me and this cat, we're just like different, okay? And uh, so, but that all changed, thank God. I married a southern woman that knows how to bring it when it comes to cooking and uh, married into that family. And now, honest to God, my witness, I had just soon sat down and have a bowl of good old collard greens with some pepper sauce and hot sauce. Anybody in the house know what I'm talking about? All right, young people, y'all need to get in on that. How many of y'all eat collards? Give me your hands if you eat collards. Come on. All right, all right. Hope you didn't eat them this morning. We'll have a moving service. All right, we don't want that kind. All right, so so uh, collards are good for you, and greens and veggies are good for you, and so is laughter. Um, so I would have been in trouble, but hey, thank God, at the end of the 10-day test, here's what you need to see. Daniel and his friends, they were healthier, it says. They were stronger. They were more mentally alert. They were more mentally aware. And so through fasting and prayer, God can literally make you 10 times better. God can do some things in your life. And I want to share with you what I've seen God do in my life um, uh, this fast, and then even in the other particular fast, and this shows you it's a God thing, all right, My, it, is that God has, God gives me greater clarity, and like, he absolutely, like, even helps my ADD, okay, only God could do that, so if you're ADD like me, and you need clarity, and you focus, uh, but in a time of fasting and prayer, that is one thing that I've seen God do, and one benefit is that he brings great, great clarity, I've seen increased faith in my life when I'm fasting, and when I'm praying, God gives me increased faith. I see um, basically uh, increased authority uh, that I can tell where God's at work in my heart, in my life for his glory, not for my glory. And I need that authority. I need to walk in that authority because I'm a child of God. But the devil sometimes tries to beat me down just like he does you. And, he, and, and, and I, I find myself sometimes entertaining his life and walking. And I am a child of the living God. I am not to walk in bondage. I'm not to walk in fear. I'm not to walk in anxiety and worry. I'm to run after God passionately. But many times we find ourselves running on fumes. In fact, that's the next series that we're going to talk about uh, when we kick the month of September off is running on fumes. How do we avoid from running on fumes? So if you feel like, man, that's my life. I don't know how I hold it all together and I'm about to pull my hair out. Well, that's a struggle I think that we all commonly have. And so we're going to talk about that in September. So Mark that on your calendar. Remember this about fasting, okay? I've shared with you some of the things that I've seen, the increased authority, anointing, optimism in my life, more disciplined of a lifestyle, uh, but it's in a good way, okay? And I want to say this. Uh, uh, we heard this in one of our existing uh, small uh, groups that uh, I've been a part of uh, in living life uh, in small group, and we heard this last night. The, the speaker said in um, that small group, he said, you know, he said, it's hell on earth, literally, to live your entire life avoiding doing something that you really desire to do. Now, when you think about that statement, and see how that relates to you and where you're at in your faith journey, what he was saying is, is he's saying that if you're a believer and you're a Christ follower and you're a child of God, God's desire is to bring you to a place in your life to where it's a joy to give up the things of the world. Like the things of the world are not an appeasement, an enticement to you, to where you feel like, well, I can't have those things because I'm a Christian. Or I've got to serve God so I can't act like my neighbors over there and, and party uh, like they do, and I can't chase after the things of the world. So if, if that's at a point in your journey and your faith, 
And that's the way it is, even with fasting and prayer. And so when you first start, don't feel bad that you're like, what am I thinking by doing this? You know, by giving up my food, you know, or giving up one meal, or giving up two meals, or giving up three meals, or giving up all meals and doing juice or water. What is wrong with me? But you'll come to a point in your life as you seek and you hunger for God that you'll say, it's a joy to be able to spend this time with the Lord and to give these things up. It's a joy It's a joy to say, I don't want to be like my neighbor who appears to have it all together by the size of his house or by his vehicles and his cars or by the women that he has or the girls that he has or the lifestyle that he lives. Because what you'll find, if you talk with anybody who's trying to do it their way over God's way, their creator, you'll find deep down, if if they would only be transparent, if you you will find an emptiness and you will find a longing and a desire to find something that only the God, living God, can fill you up and meet that need. And so don't fall into that trap. So remember, fasting and praying is all about a breakthrough for you and for others. And if you miss that, if you miss the prayer part of, of praying for something specific when you're fasting and praying, you'll miss the whole mark of what God wants to do through fasting and prayer. So find a serious situation. Find a serious situation. Because it's through that heart is revealed through our focus on praying over a specific situation as we give up to draw closer to God and tell God we need him more and tell God we believe he's faithful to meet our needs. So the exact reason that Daniel refused to eat the king's meat is not really clear. There's two principles we see, however, that are evident. Daniel felt it was a religious test of faith. Uh, for him personally, and he was not going to defile himself. That's the word, words that were used there. And then he had a desire for a strong physical body which to serve the Lord. So God led him and said, you're going to be stronger. But what Daniel didn't even realize at this point, okay? And here's what I want to say and speak into my life and speak into your life. God is sovereign, and God knows how he's going to use you down the road for his kingdom and his purpose and his glory. Daniel didn't understand what all that looked like, but Daniel knew that he was to be obedient every day. And I think sometimes the mistake that we make, and I know I've made myself, is that we want to, we want to get somewhere overnight, and, and, and we forget that this is a process and this is a journey. And if you, if you sometimes don't make but one little half inch of a step forward toward God every day, make that consistently, and you will see the payoff in your life. Because the greatest, the strongest marriages, the strongest relationships, the greatest ministries, and the greatest businesses are built over longevity. Are you with me? And so, so you've got to stay the course. And if you say, well, Pastor, I had a day this week where I took three steps backwards. That's okay. Tomorrow, get up and take a step forward. And be with consistency because God will empower you and God will begin to uh, or continue because he sets you apart if you're walking in relationship. And according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, he's transformed your mind. The Spirit of God is in your heart. And so as you get up and say, nope, God, I'm going to let you have the will of my life and you move me forward, God will move you forward. He's not in the business of moving you backwards, okay? God is not in the business of taking you backwards. You are God's child. God loves you if you're in a relationship with him. And there's nothing that you can do to break that relationship with God. Now, you can mess your fellowship up. By taking the wheel back over and saying, no, it's my life. I'm going to live it like I want to. And, you, and God says, no, that's not, that's not the commitment you made to me. And, and, and so, you, you know, you, you, can, you can mess up that fellowship, but you cannot break that relationship. And you can't do anything to make God love you more. People who try to work their way to God or work their way to salvation or live off of a work-based or I hope God lets me in rather than assurance. and gra- They don't understand grace. They don't understand that, that, that it's grace 
uh, you know, that literally grace that leads us to Jesus Christ, grace through faith. It's not of works. It's, not a, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So Daniel realized this, and it affected his impact, his testimony. He had spiritual influence, and so he, he received God's blessing on his life, and God was setting him apart for a greater purpose. So it wasn't just a statement that God was using to him personally. It was for those around him, and that's what we see in the power of this story. Jesus said this, as you think about faith, because Daniel had to display great, great faith, because even as he's telling one of the king's men that, no, you know what, I think we're not going to do the king's choice uh, meat, and I don't think we're going to do the king's choice wine. I think we're going to do veggies. That's what I feel that, and that's what we're going to do is veggies. And this guy's going, okay, how's that going to go over with the king when I go back and tell him, well, these guys aren't going to eat what you said eat. These guys are going to eat vegetables. But Daniel stuck to the plan, and he said, that's what we're going to do. God honored that, and we see at the end of 10 days, they were 10 times better, 10 times stronger. God worked in that situation through their life. Jesus said, if you have faith, you will say to this mountain, or in your case, if you're fasting and praying over a physical problem, or you're going through a physical problem, he said, say to this mountain, move from here to there, Matthew 17, 20. So maintaining your fast is a testimony to yourself, to others, that you literally believe no matter what's coming against you, no matter that bad test, that bad report, no matter the joint pains that you're having, no matter what it is, the psychological issues that you're having, you're saying and believing in faith that God can literally move that mountain. And you've got to have that type of faith because that's foundational, okay? And if God's going to take you to the other places and do them, the wonderful works in your life that he desires to give you that blessed hope and future that Jeremiah talks about, you've got to start somewhere with a foundational faith. And so when you see in chapter 1 that Daniel's starting with this foundational faith, but you've got to remember, Daniel is a guy who, because of his obedience in God, in the small things, don't despise a small beginning. And you may feel like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm in comparison, I'm just... You know, I'm not that great of a believer. I'm not that great of a Christian. I don't, I don't feel like I'm doing anything significant for God. If you're making one step forward, the Bible says do not despise a small beginning. And so Daniel had that foundation, right? And he said, I, this is what God's leading me to do. And do you know some other things that happened in Daniel's life where his faith, God gave him increased faith because he had a foundation to build up on? He was actually thrown in uh, with the intention for him to die, thrown in a lion's den, okay? How would you feel if you were thrown into a den of lions? Would, your fa- would you have a foundation and a faith to where if you were thrown into a den of lions that instead of getting in there like I think most of us would probably do and go, oh my goodness, you know, Daniel walks over and he just begins to stroke the hair on the lions. After these lions have just eaten other people that they've been thrown into. How about the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which was Daniel's three friends here that we read about, to where when also the king uh, came down and they decreed a, declared a decree. Now notice, here's what happens, and you'll see this in Esther's life last week. There are jealous people, don't miss this, when you choose to follow Jesus, when you choose to devote your life to Jesus, when you choose that you're not going to go the ways of the world, and you make a stand for Jesus... In love, you will receive persecution from other people who do not have the strength to make that same choice or walk or or make the same uh, decisions to be like that and to set themselves apart from God. There will be a jealousy there. And so there were a jealousy in these other men, and so they would try to frame, they would see the hand of God on Daniel and them, they would see what they were doing and that they were standing out, and so they would try to frame them by creating scenarios. And so one of those scenarios was, is everybody's going to bow down to the king, and if you don't bow down to the king, you die. 
And so that come along in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they were strengthened because they had an influential leader, okay? Testimony, we're talking about our testimonies. Who are we spiritually influencing? They had an influential leader around them, and so their faith was strengthened, and they also come together when Daniel said, we're just going to give up all that food that looks so good, and we're going to come together for veggies, and we're going to come together for a time of fasting and prayer. It was more than just one person. They came together as a body. And, and so when you come together as a body and fast and pray, and that's what we're experiencing as a church, you are strengthened through that, and God gives you faith. Now, here's what we see in Daniel's life. There is a strong tie between the mental and physical health. What are you saying, Pastor? Those who have strong self-esteem and who feel good about themselves, and be careful on basing your life off feelings because you are not going to win that battle. We've got to walk in the Spirit. But those who have strong self-esteem and who feel good about themselves help their bodies make better use of food, leading to better physical health. What does the Bible say about that? Proverbs 15 and verse 13 says this, that the, uh, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. James tells us in James chapter 5 and verse 15 that the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the sick, and God tells us to visit the sick and encourage them in their faith and their spiritual growth. And so you've got like a you've got a dual commitment here uh, in that your uh, physical strength, you're praying for your physical strength, praying fast for your physical strength, uh, and then to keep the fast to the end of the commitment, and then you're praying for your faith and your emotional strength in this time of fasting, and that's how God uh, moved in Daniel. Daniel's life. Now, here's what I want to do. Um, I want to ask you to right now go ahead because we're going to have a time of prayer here in just a few moments. I'm almost out. We talk about John the Baptist fast. But if that's you, if you walked into the room today and uh, maybe you got that report last week, maybe you've got that uh, report that's lingering and you don't know. You just know they've told you to come in. You just know that they've seen something that concerns them and fear has tried to grip you, the enemy's tried to grip you, and you don't know what the outcome of that's going to be. And let's just call it like it is. You're nervous, uh, and some of you are worried. Some of you have great anxiety, and so we're going to ask God to remove that. We're going to ask God to heal you. We're going to ask God to come into your situation and remove all of that. Now, the John the Baptist fast, okay, is to cause their righteousness to go before them. Now, we're talking about great testimonial influence with this particular fast, and we have a, a, an obligation here, a double obligation. The first part is, as children of God, the obligation is to live godly lives and to actively extend our influence for the glory of God. Matthew five sixteen, Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, "...let your light so shine before men." Let your light so shine. Why does he want our light to so shine before men? That they may see your good works and glorify God, your Father, in heaven. So that's, that's why God left us here, okay? God left us here for that particular reason, is to have a spiritual influence for his glory. Now, when you think of all the different people in the Bible that Jesus talked about, okay? Because we know Jesus came, he walked among uh, uh, the people that saw him, over 500 saw the resurrected Savior. We know he had his 12 disciples that he uh, traveled with, and we know there were others around him. But in his time of speaking, does anybody remember, some of you may remember this, some of you may have heard this story, that's okay, but does anybody remember out of the mouth of Jesus who he talked about having the greatest influence of all men to ever live? Anybody remember? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist, when you look at John the Baptist's life, okay, and, and you think about his influence that he had, no one had more of an effect of testimony than John the Baptist. That's not man's testimony. That's not his own disciples' testimony. That's straight out of the mouth of Jesus. Look at Matthew eleven eleven, and um, we'll read that together on the screen. 
And we'll see the influence that John had. Truly I say to you, this is Jesus speaking, among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus is teaching a principle here about grace and grace being imparted to us. But also he's talking about John the Baptist and his influence. And if you go back to when uh, Mary um, was impregnated by the Spirit of God with Jesus Christ, uh, she goes and makes a visit to Elizabeth. And the Bible, the Bible literally says something takes place in that moment, even inside the womb. Does anybody remember? It says there was a leaping. Well, I want you to see, and you'll see this in Scripture, that it wasn't just a leaping of the baby. The Spirit of God had already set John apart, had obviously already set Jesus apart in the flesh, God himself in the flesh for a greater cause. So in John's life, we know he wasn't perfect. The Bible doesn't allude to any of his sin. It kind of reminds me of Joseph, but that doesn't mean he didn't sin. It just means that he had a desire to follow God passionately. And so, fortunately, he didn't make some of the mistakes like David made uh, and, uh, and, and sin. And so we uh, see that he's a great influence. He's a great example. That's how we want our life to be. So where we continually do the will of God, God is going to bless us, and he's going to use us to be a blessing to others. So think about that, parents. Think about as you have your children, we're raising them, what type of influence are they seeing in us spiritually? And I would stop and ask us all to ask this question as the Spirit put it on my heart. What, what kind of spiritual influence are you to your family, to your extended family? Like what does that look like when you and God have that conversation and you talk it out? What type of spiritual influence are you to those around you? How about the people that work? What type of spiritual influence are you in a positive way, not a negative way? And that's where we search our heart and say, God, you know, I need to be more influential for your glory. You've left me here for that one purpose, to point others to you, to bring glory to you. And so, God, I need to be more influential. So think about that. Do some hard examination in that. Because we, too, can become great witnesses uh, by following John the Baptist's example of fasting. And we see in Matthew 9, 14, to where even, even as Jesus is explaining the importance of fasting, uh, and John, it, show, it shows the dedication, even before Jesus' time, that John already understood the power of fasting and prayer, and he and his disciples were doing it. Even when Jesus came back, look, and... Um, and put it clear uh, about him being with them personally. But the disciples of John came to him saying, Why don't we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus came back and said, Well, when the bridegroom is among you, there's not as much need to fast, because Jesus was among them in the flesh. But it shows you the consistency that they had. So establishing your influence, I want you to think and pray about that. And ask God what he wants to do in your heart and your life, and maybe spend some time fasting and praying over these last days that we have and say, God, I want you to use my testimony, my influence, God. And this is one thing that we see about John. One thing that we see about John is that if anybody ever had a right to brag, okay, John the Baptist had a right to brag. I mean, John the Baptist could have easily said, um, yeah, there's only a few Jesus could entrust to baptizing, you know could have stroked his ego but he didn't he had great humility and that's a sign of growth in our life spiritually speaking is that that we walk in that type of humility now how could John walk in that type of humility I'll tell you and that's what God is showing me and currently teaching me he had to die to himself he had to die and the reason that I struggle sometimes and the reason that you struggle in your life aligning yourself with the will of God 
And the reason it's a struggle sometimes to not chase the things of the world, and the reason it's a struggle sometimes to come to church and feel bored or disconnected is because we haven't died to self or we haven't died to selfish desires. And so that's what God has shown me in my life. He's told me, you got to die to those things. And when you die to those things, I will give you influence. I will give you influence, but not for your ego, not for self-centered reasons. So John said this in 3.30. Check in John 3.30. Look at this. Here, here was his heartbeat. He said, he, he said, he must increase, speaking of Jesus, but I must what? I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. So, as you think about your testimony in this time of conclusion right now, in this time of response, I want you to just kind of look at your own spiritual life. Now, some of you may be here and you may say, you know what, I don't feel like I have any influence because I, you said something about religion and relationship, and I think I've got religion but not relationship. And that's a lot of people. A lot of people say, how do you know the difference if I've got religion or if I've got relationship? Well, it's like this. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be the, you'll, the top answer you'll give if someone asks you about you know, your, your, your encounter with God or your encounter with Jesus or your relationship with Jesus. You kind of give the answer of, well, man, I've just always been. You know, like you were born uh, 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 in the Spirit or you were, you were born non-sinner. And we all know that's not true. We all know that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so relationship with Jesus is, is you'll know that you've met him, okay? So if you're in a physical relationship right now, be it dating or be it in marriage, could you imagine, could you imagine making the statement of saying that I don't remember meeting my spouse? I don't remember meeting them? You wouldn't say, well, we've just always been in relationship no you haven't always been in relationship that's something that was a process in your life that's something if you think about it that even God could have been involved in bringing you together kind of instantly but then a process of that relationship developing and your love toward one another not infatuation there's a big difference but your love toward one another growing is a process and so when we think about true relationship with Christ that's different than religion Religion is a mindset. Well, my parents always brought, took me to church, and so, yeah, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. No, 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 no. Well, I walked down, and I told them that I wanted to be a part of that thing or whatever it was, or I, I said that little prayer but said it because it just seemed like the right thing to do but did not have any drawing on my heart. But, well, then, then, no, you don't have relationship. Relationship is where you realize that God in heaven loves you, and you realize what he did to prove that love. And you realize that you should have been the one to die on the cross and I should have been the one to die on the cross. And the Spirit of God draws your heart to Him and you run to Him and you come to Him and you confess that you are unable to save yourself. You confess that you've sinned and you ask Him to come in your heart and your life to save you. And He will absolutely save you. And then you can have influence. But you have to continue to die to self daily. Crucify the flesh and walk with Him knowing you're a child of God. You are not to live in bondage but freedom. And he'll give you influential testimony. Now, here's what I want to do in our time together. We've talked about the Daniel fast and John the Baptist fast. If you are here in this room today and you have a physical issue you're going through, 
you have a report that you're waiting on, a doctor's visit to go to, you already have confirmation that cancer's in your body, you already have confirmation that you have heart issues, uh, you already have confirmation that you have serious problems with asthma. My heart was heavy to find out this past Friday morning that we lost one of our African, uh, West African translators, Tita, the one that I talked about, the one that we showed the video, some of you remember, that was leading those kids and singing. And, and they were saying, we love you, Smoke Eyes. Thank you for being a blessing in our life. 23 years old, had asthma, and died unexpectedly. And so we just never know. So whatever your issue is, whatever it is, do you believe in faith that the God of heaven can heal you from that? Do you believe that? Because I believe that. And there's other believers in this room that believe that. So, if it's a physical sickness you're going through personally, if it is a physical sickness that someone close to you or someone you know is going through or walking through, and you believe God can heal them and want to intercede on their behalf, I want to ask you to stand to your feet, whether it's you personally or somebody else you know of that's sick. Stand to your feet because we're going to call upon the God of heaven to bring healing. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. You don't have to hesitate. He's here. And he knows why you're standing, okay? He knows who you're standing for. He knows what's up against you. And he's a God that can heal you, okay? And so here's what we're going to do. I want you to do this. I'm going to pray, and the people around you are going to pray. I want you, if you're around somebody standing, just extend a hand toward them. Extend a hand toward them to pray for them. Maybe maybe extend a hand, a hand on their shoulder. Get around them. There's power in prayer. That means let's move around. Make sure everybody who's standing has someone around them. Can we do that? Just cover them. Lift a hand forward. Lift a hand across the aisle toward them. Believing in faith and believing in the power of prayer. Now, if you're standing and you stood for prayer, I want you in faith to believe by opening up the palm of your hands like this, okay? If you believe God is faithful and can bring healing, I want you to open up the palm of your hands and receive His healing power, okay? And pray in faith as we pray over you. Father God, I pray for you right, Lord. I pray for these right now, Father. And I pray in your power, Lord Jesus. I pray according to your will. But Lord Jesus, you are still a great physician. And God, I know, Father, Lord God, that you are able, Father. And you're able to do greater than we ever dreamed or imagined possible, God. But Lord, we pray right now, Father, believe in God, that you are the same God who provided for Daniel, God. You're the same God who gave him health, who gave him strength. You're the same God who rescued him from the lion's den. You're the same God who rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace, and you are walking among them. God, I call upon your name, Father. You are Jehovah. You are in our midst. You are walking among us, Lord. And I pray right now that you take every Lord, sickness, God, every situation, God, physical, mental, God, whatever the case is, God, and we speak, God, in authority and power, Father, Lord. We speak the name Jesus, God, the name that demons tremble. We speak the name Jesus, God, Lord, that heals people, Father, God, and we speak healing, God, Lord, right now, Father, God, based on your authority in every situation represented, God, every person standing, God, be it for themselves or be it for one another, God, would you heal them and touch them, Father, God, Lord, is our prayer. Is our prayer. Now, if you're holding your palms up, I want you to do this. I want you to say this out loud, okay? In faith, I want you to say out loud. God, tell him, say, God, only you can do it. And you are faithful. And I believe. Amen. Now, if you're here in this room and you don't have to sit yet, you can and then restand. But if you're here and you would say, you know what? I need more of God's power 
to be more of a spiritual influence around my family, around my co-workers. I need more. I need prayer. I need prayer to be the spiritual influence God's called me to be. If that would be you, I want you to stand to your feet in this room. I'm standing. I need that prayer. But if that would be you and you seriously want to be more of a spiritual influence and you want more of God's strength and more of God's power, then I want to ask you to do this. Palms up, believing in faith that God is the one who has the ability to give us that power, the one who has the ability to remove our fears. And with palms up, I want you to tell God right now out loud. Say, Father God, you have the power to remove my fears, to remove my worries. Help me be a witness for you. Thank you, Father. God, I come to you, Father, Lord, over each one of us standing, God, with a true heart's desire, God. Lord, over every one of us standing, God, that's tired of playing a game, that's tired of playing church, God, that's tired of the mundane, Father. That God wants to be, God, a spiritual influence for you, Father. That truly has a burden, God, about our lost family members, our lost friends, God, our lost co-employees at work, Father. The loss in our community, the loss on our ball teams, Father God, our kids' ball teams, God. Lord, would you empower, God, every one of us, Father, God, to love, Lord, those who don't know you, to love them to you, Father, to point them as John did, to the one true Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, God. God, would you break our heart for the things that break your heart? Would you give us compassion, God, for those, Father, Lord, in our midst, Father, God, around us, God, that have never been inside a church, God? Would you give us compassion to go to them, Father, Lord, in the highways and hedges and love them, God, and compel them to come and find life, God, direction in life through you? We praise you. We worship you, God, with this hand clap of praise, God. Believe it in faith, Father, God, that you are able, Father. Amen. You are able, God. Hear these claps, Father, for your glory. We love you, Jesus. Amen.